Coming up, who might be squeezed out of a rotation spot? Which reliever might not crack the bullpen? And doing a little refresher course on the new rules for the 2023 season, all on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm your host, Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast, of course. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there to see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends and tell your friends to hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel as well because... We are over 350 subscribers, trying to hit 400 by the end of the month if possible. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. And a quick shout out to any of my Coyotes co-workers who listen to this podcast. I appreciate your support. We'll talk about it in the office tomorrow. But on today's, or I guess at the time of you listening to this, it's Friday. So today, I guess. But for today's podcast, I want to do some more spring training competition talk. I want to talk about the rotation, who might be the final member or final two members in the rotation. Look at the bullpen, who can get squeezed out. And then how about a little refresher course? Miller Thomas is going to do a little in or out on the new rules coming to baseball in 2023. We'll talk about the new rules just in case you forgot. You don't want to start the new season and then all of a sudden, whoa, I didn't know that rule got implemented and then be thrown off guard. So we got a whole bunch to talk about. But uh, but first, we're going to start with the spring training rotation. Who's going to get the final spot? Because right now, locked into rotation spots, of course, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Zach Allen is locked in number one. And Zach Allen better be the opening day starter no more massive bumgarner starting opening day this should be the first opening day where we're not playing the san diego padres and we don't have massive bumgarner starting zach allen on the mound i expect great things to happen with amaro kelly number two right behind him because quietly one of the best one two combinations in baseball last year was zach allen amaro kelly kelly should have been top 10 in cy young voting and then Sad to say, but he's probably locked into a rotation spot just because of the contract and a little bit of the pedigree, Madison Bumgarner. And then, I don't know if he's a lock. You could put him as a soft lock right now. You could put him as a strong maybe, but it seems like Zach Davies has his hands on a rotation spot with what the conversations have been so far at the beginning of spring training. Because the D-backs re-signed Davies, it seems like he has a pretty strong 
path to getting another rotation spot. So as it currently stands, it's Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, Zach Davies, and Madison Bumgarner as four of your five rotation members. And for the D-backs, for all Major League teams, as you know, you're only allowed to carry a maximum of 13 pitchers. So that means you get five starters and probably eight relievers. Unless the D-backs want to go a little route and go the six-man rotation method because I'm not against the D-backs doing a six-man rotation because... Gallon and Merrill Kelly, I think, I don't even know how you could divvy it up, but I, those guys should be on five days rest. Where, And then you have your three, four, five, and six somehow on different days rest. I don't think that's even possible mathematically, but I wouldn't be opposed to the D-backs going to a six-man rotation just so you could limit the amount of starts you get from Madison Bumgarner and a Zach Davies while also promoting some of those young pitchers. And I'm not saying that because I dislike Davies. I definitely dislike Madison Bumgarner, but... Davies is just someone that doesn't have a huge future with his D-backs organization. And if I had a choice, I'd rather much have Davies in the rotation than Massive Bumgarner. But because we had so many young guys flash last year, I want to give those guys as many opportunities as possible. And just tough to do that when you have both a Massive Bumgarner and a Zach Davies in your rotation. But as it currently stands, those seem to... Gal and Kelly are definitely locked in. Mad Bum, pretty locked in. And then Davies, I think, has a strong hold on one of the rotation spots as well. So when you look at that number five spot in the rotation, I think it really comes down to five individuals. Dre Jameson, who we saw last year, Ryan Nelson, who we saw last year, Tommy Henry, who we saw last year, and Brandon Fat, who we did not see last year. And as it currently stands, Dre Jameson probably feels like the guy most likely to be a starter in the rotation because I feel like he's most major league ready when it comes to the arsenal of different pitches he can throw at somebody and the different ways he can attack an opposing batter. Dre Jameson feels the most major league ready. He was really good in the small sample size he had with the D-backs last season. He's got a great fastball, got a bunch of secondary pitches, a 1-4-8 ERA last year and just 24 innings pitch with 24 strikeouts. Dre Jameson definitely flashed a lot of potential. The only thing that I don't like about Dre Jameson is that he needs to put on a little bit more weight. Like this dude could probably easily throw consistent gas, maybe a little bit more 98 to 100 if he just put on a little bit more weight because he's six foot, but he weighs around 165. Like I'm a dude that's like 182. Like I got like 17 pounds on Dre Jameson, even though I'm probably an inch shorter. You know, I'm 5'11". If you go on my Tinder profile, it might might say six feet. But for Dre Jameson, I want to see a little bit more weight on him. He's got a great fastball that's improving with command and location. He's got a curveball that's pretty nasty and effective as like his fourth pitch. Like this dude had just an array of pitches. So I love Dre Jameson. And I think he's potentially the favorite right now to get that number fifth spot. But he's going to have to fight Ryan Nelson, who is another guy that was really good for the D-backs last season. Just like Dre Jameson, they pretty much debuted around the same time. Ryan Ryan Nelson, I think, got hurt at the end of last season, so cut his season a little short. But he, he was another one, another rookie pitcher that looked phenomenal last year. A 1.47 ERA, an 18 innings pitch, 16 strikeouts, a .81 whip. The only thing about Ryan Nelson that I don't like is the fact that I think he's maybe a little bit too fastball dependent. Like I think 70% of his pitches thrown last year was a fastball. And then 
it plays into his durability because as he goes deep into starts, that velo tends to waver a little bit around pitches 65 to 75 is where it starts to take a nosedive a little bit. So for Tommy or excuse me, for Ryan Nelson, it makes you wonder, is he someone that can be a full-time starter over the course of a full season? Or is he someone that's better set up to just come in late in games, eighth inning, seventh inning, and just throw gas? It's a real question that the D-backs are going to have. But if they decide to give him the number five spot and see if they could build upon the mix of pitches he already had last year, because Ryan Nelson, even though he throws mainly fastball, he does have two to three secondary pitches that he can also work into there. Brent Strom is going to try and work on his secondary pitches so he has a little bit more of a creative arsenal when he's up there on the mound, so he's not just giving it his, giving it his all with fastballs and getting that wear and tear and fatigue on his arms and making him last throughout starts a little bit longer. So if they could work on that through spring training and he starts to flash that through spring training, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Ryan Nelson gets the rotation spot over Dre Jameson because those two are definitely in the lead for the rotation spots. I would have Dre Jameson 1A, Ryan Nelson 1B, but they both look so phenomenal last year. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a coin toss. Brandon Fat is someone that I think is super intriguing, and he's someone that I don't think will be on the opening day roster for the D-backs, but he is someone that I think will potentially maybe pitch half the season and still potentially have a pretty big impact with the D-backs this season because Brandon Fat is coming off a phenomenal season in AAA, in Reno, we had a sub-3 ERA. He had, like, what, 200 strikeouts, I think it was? Like, Brandon Fat was a freaking monster last year in the minor leagues. He had one of the best minor league seasons that we've seen in, like, a decade. And now, if you look at all the top 100 rankings, like, Baseball America has him at 27. MLB.com has him at 59 before the season starts. Like, Brandon Fat put himself on the map last year. In AAA, he had a 2.63 ERA. On the season last year, between AA and AAA, had 280. 18 strikeouts and just 167 innings pitch like I don't think there's a world where Brandon Fat doesn't at least at least get the Ryan Nelson or Dre Jameson treatment where maybe it's only the final month of the season but I don't see how there's any world where Brandon Fat doesn't at least start one to three games for the D-backs this season I just don't think he has a strong case to be that number five starter just because he's so young so raw I think the D-backs will probably lean with the Ryan Nelson or Dre Jameson who they already saw last year then Tommy Henry is someone that has had a Probably the biggest sample size so far of any of these D-backs we've seen, but that's also a big reason why I don't want him in the rotation because he did have nine starts last. Excuse me, did have nine starts last year, forty-seven innings pitch, but a five-three-six ERA, a one-four-four-seven WHIP. Like he's someone that's just not going to generate a lot of strikeouts. He's someone that throws in the low nineties. Like he's someone that I would rather see as like a long reliever, maybe a six-inning, seventh-inning guy, but. Tommy Henry, I think, is better for the bullpen. I really don't want to see him in the rotation. I just don't think he has the upside or the ceiling of the other three. And if I had to pick somebody of the names I just said to be that number five starter, I think it would be Dre Jameson just because I like his arsenal the best. And I think he has the best makeup to be a starter over the course of a full 162-game season. I wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Nelson at all. They're both my two favorites, but... The ideal scenario, the ideal world, as I've talked about a lot on this podcast, get Madison Baumgartner off this team. He's a detriment. He's an anchor holding down this rotation. If you got me Gallon, Kelly, Davies, Dre Jameson, and Ryan Nelson as my go-to five in my rotation, I would be very happy as a D-backs fan. And if you want to bet 
Madison Bumgarner still being in the rotation come opening day, you need to head to FanDuel.com because, let me pull up my ad, the midway point of the NBA season is here. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no sweat. First bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. My favorite parlay to do is I always talk about my favorite same-game parlay to do, which I didn't do last night because it was LeBron's first game back in over a week, but... That doesn't mean I didn't do Anthony Davis, 25 points, that hit. Anthony Davis, 10 rebounds, that hit. And now the Lakers got a whole bunch of newcomers. I might have to start throwing in a little D-Lo, 15 points, 5 assists, along with my AD, 25 and 10. And then do LeBron, who I think has scored at least 20 points in like 37 straight games. Got to do LeBron, what, 23 points? Five rebounds, something like that. Just do a same game parlay with a whole bunch of different Lakers. And trust me, you'll probably win at least a little bit of money. So don't miss this chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more at FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. And now let's look at the bullpen. Discuss which reliever might be squeezed out the bullpen. Because if you're going with five starters, that only leaves eight dudes in your bullpen. And I kind of have, as it currently stands, I kind of have seven locks already for my bullpen. And you could kind of make the argument that the bullpen is already locked up depending on how the rotation shakes out. Because as it currently stands... Mark Melanson, he's locked into a bullpen spot. Listen, Mark Melanson was terrible last year. 4.66 ERA, a negative war. He had 18 saves. Get out of here with that. A 1.5 whip. There was, ne- there was never a moment where I felt confident where Mark Melanson entered the game. Every time he entered the game, no matter how big the lead, it felt like Mark Melanson was doing his best to make it a tight game. Because if you're up one run, up two runs, best believe if he got the first two outs, that third guy coming up to the plate was going to hit a double. And it was going to be a man on second with two outs. And he was probably giving up a base hit again to make the score two to one or cut the deficit in half. He was doing anything he could to cut the lead. So Mark Melanson, not a huge fan of him, but he will be coming back to the D-backs this season. He's going to be 38. He's going to be old. And he's going to be looking for redemption. Hopefully, Brent Strom can turn back the clock on Mark Melanson. But unfortunately, unfortunately, Mark Melanson might be cooked. I also have Andrew Chafin, of course, locked into a rotation spot. We talked about Andrew Chafin a ton on yesterday's podcast. A freaking beast. 283 ERA and 57 innings pitched last year with 67 strikeouts, a 1169 whip. Love Chafin, another lefty. Mel Lanson is a righty. Chafin, a lefty. Those two are definitely locks. Number three is a lock. Men's Ply, another lefty. Was phenomenal for the D backs last season. Don't forget. Mantiply was the D-backs all-star 
<clears throat> was the D-backs all-star representative last year with a 2.85 ERA, 60 innings pitch last season. And at one point last season, I think he had the longest streak of consecutive innings pitched by a lefty reliever without allowing a walk. Mantiply slowed down a little bit in the second half of the season, but when you're quite literally the only legitimate arm we can trust, I would say Kyle Nelson was in the mix last year too, but if you needed a high-leverage reliever last year, Joe Mantiply was your go-to guy, and he was the only trustworthy guy, so it's not a surprise he wore down in the second half of last season because the D-backs probably put way too much on his plate. Like If you just look at Mantiply's career, before 2021, he never had more than three innings pitch in a season. And then 2021, he had 39 innings pitch and then 60 innings pitch last season. So this is someone that has put a lot of wear and tear on his arm the last two years after barely pitching in the major leagues the first few years of his career. So that's two lefties and a righty. Another lock for the bullpen, number four, Kyle Nelson, another lefty. Had a breakout season last year for the D-backs. And maybe it was a bit of a fluke. We'll see, but... Considering how he looked last year and how I felt when he was up there on the mound, I, I always felt like I had trust in Kyle Nelson, and he always came through. It felt like in high-leverage moments, a 2-1-9 ERA, 37 innings pitch, a 1.081 whip, just really strong numbers across the board, and I'm very excited to see year two of Kyle Nelson to see if he could replicate it because he's someone that's not old. 26 years old, should be in the prime of his career, could potentially get even better. I like Kyle Nelson a lot. I like him. See, I like seeing him come back to the D-backs bullpen. Number five, righty Miguel Castro. The D-backs signed him this offseason. A hard-throwing righty, that is, Miguel Castro. Now, he's a little uh, herky-jerky, a little feast or famine in terms of his production. I mean, for his career, 4-1-2 year, right? And he basically sits between 3-9 and 4-1, like the last few years of his career. Um, so he's not going to be someone, when you see him on the mound, um, in high leverage moments, you're not going to have total trust in him. Probably there's going to be a lot of games where he makes you sweat a little bit, I'm guessing, but he's a big strikeout guy. Can he, he does have put away pitches. He's just a little erratic at times because he also has command issues and had 4.7 walks per nine last year and 9.6 strikeouts per nine. So you get the best of both worlds when it comes to walks and strikeouts or Castro. Number six, Scott McHugh, who the D-backs signed, I believe, from Japan, has been a closer the last couple of years in Japan, and they actually gave him a real major league deal, signed him for a couple million dollars, so I don't see why there would be any scenario where he's not in the bullpen opening day, probably will even be given opportunity to maybe be the closer for the D-backs this season in spring training, so we'll see how that shakes out, so I like Scott McHugh, we'll see there. And then the last dude, number seven in my bullpen, I think Kevin Ginkle is going to be a lock for the bullpen. Look, Kevin Ginkle has had a lot of up and downs in Arizona because in 2019, pre-pandemic, I thought this dude was going to be the closer of the future where he had a 1-4-8 ERA and 24 innings pitch. But the next couple years, he did not look good. Over a 6 ERA in 2020 and 2021. But despite that being the case, this is still someone with 9.8 strikeouts per nine for his career. And last season with the D-backs in 29 innings pitched, the most seasons, the most innings he's ever pitched for the D-backs in a season, hit a 3-3-8 ERA. Hit a 1-2-9-5 whip. Like, Kevin Ginkle was solid last year for the D-backs, and he's also a guy that could potentially get closing opportunities for the D-backs this season. So if the D-backs are going to put eight people in their bullpen, I just named seven. So Who's going to get that final spot in the bullpen? I think it comes down to Tommy Henry, who we discussed for a rotation spot, 
Tyler Holton, who was solid last year for the D-backs. Vargas, who was signed to maybe a minor league deal this season, or I think was traded um, was traded for by the D-backs this season. Um, high, high-velocity reliever, fits the mode that the D-backs have been going after this season. Ryan Nelson, he could be a candidate as well. Corbin Martin, the dude that we traded from the Houston Astros for Zach Greinke and has yet to live up to any expectation that we have for him. Yuri's Familia, a throwback name, someone that was one of the best closers in baseball, but not particularly effective the last couple of years. And then Luis Frias, someone that has incredible stuff, some of the nastiest stuff you can see, but also just gives up a ton of hard contact and is always erratic. And so when I look at the list of candidates here, I name my seven, Melanson, Chafin, Mantiply, Kyle Nelson, Castro, McHugh, and Ginkle. I got three lefties there. I got four righties. And if I had to throw in one more dude into that bullpen from the list of candidates I named, I think I need to go Ryan Nelson because whoever doesn't make it between Dre Jamison and Ryan Nelson for that fifth rotation spot, I think they should definitely be thrown into the bullpen. And I like Ryan Nelson as a potential bullpen guy, just because when you look at the makeup of him, he's someone that just wants to go out there and throw gas. He's someone that wears down as you get later into game. So it's like, why not just make him a seventh inning or your eighth inning setup guy? Let him go out there, throw 97, 98 for five batters for one inning and just say, unleash whatever you got. I don't even care if you throw 90% fastballs, just throw until your arm hurts. And that could be the perfect role for Ryan Nelson. He could be the perfect dude you need as a high ceiling, high velocity, high leverage reliever. Maybe Ryan Nelson is the answer to your closing problems, but I definitely want him in the bullpen over any of these other candidates. Corbin Martin would be interesting just because I still want to see if he has any potential. Luis Frias is interesting just because he has so, just because the stuff is so good, just so erratic. Tommy Henry, I'm not really in on. Tyler Holton did have a pretty effective season last year. I just don't know what it looks like over the course of a full season. Vargas, he's never pitched on the major on the major league level. And Familia, I think it just passes prime. So of all those candidates, I'm definitely riding with Ryan Nelson as my last member of the bullpen. And for Ryan Nelson. I think the thing that will help his fatigue and durability as he pitches later into games is probably a built bar. Because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you gotta try a built bar. Because look, I've been struggling recently with eating junk food and I'm trying to get back in the gym. So I gotta cut the cravings and the sweets. And that's where built bar helps me because what built bar does is it tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, so it's great for a keto diet. It's covered in 100% real chocolate for that sweet tooth I have, and it's soft and it's easy to chew. And the great thing that I love about Built Bar right now is I don't just have to go online to order me a box of Built Bar. No, just going to Built.com is a thing of the past. Now you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club to pick up a box. That's right. So if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter, or churro, and then you can thank me later. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod by looking at some of the new rules coming to 
Major League Baseball this season because I don't want you guys to be caught off guard when we get these new rules implemented because the first rule I want to talk about is the pizza boxes coming to the bases because if you haven't seen the photos, the new bases are looking quite large. Maybe it's a little hyperbolic some of the photos we've seen online of the new bases but the new bases are going to be three inches larger on each side and this I believe will help out the D-backs dramatically because the D-backs were one of the best teams in Major League Baseball last year excuse me at stealing bases Corbin Carroll was the Corbin Carroll finished in the 100th percentile for sprint speed last season because he was the fastest player in baseball last season the D-backs stole 104 bags as a team, which ranked 6th in Major League Baseball. This team is fast. This team is explosive. When you look at the Corbin Carrolls, the Jake McCarthys, the Josh Rojases, the Morenos, the Keta Marte, there is speed all over this D-backs team, and I've talked about it a lot. I think speed is going to be the D-backs' greatest strength and, and skill this season, and I want them to use that speed to create havoc and chaos on the bases. Go out there. When there's a ball hit to right field, go from first to third. Get more aggressive on second base. Try to steal third. See what happens. Make those pitchers in the back of their mind. Always be wary that any moment, our Players can steal a base, can get aggressive, and can create havoc on the bases. And I think that, I think the bases being larger will also bleed into this next rule, which is pitchers are allowed two pickoff attempts per plate appearance without penalty. The third results in an out or a bulk will be called. So the third must result in an out or a bulk will be called. So if you attempt a third pickoff attempt to an opposing batter, it has to be successful if you're the pitcher. You actually have to pick off the um, dude who's on first base or whatever, or they're just going to call a balk, and that and that dude is going to move over from first to second base. So I think that's going to help out the D-backs a lot because, like I said, if they're creating havoc with their speed, they're going to have pitchers who want to go over there and pick off who's ever on first base. Like if you have Corbin Carroll on first, you're definitely going to try to send Corbin Carroll during a plate appearance. And if he's on first, guess what? The pitcher is definitely going to be wary of Corbin Carroll and try to pick him off once or twice. So guys like that, guys like Rojas, guys like Moreno, I think are just going to be in for huge years. Jake McCarthy, those guys are just going to, Alec Thomas, those guys are going to be in for huge years on the bases once they get a strategy down of when to run because Look, these pitchers are not just going to go back-to-back pickoff attempts so you could just casually steal third on their third attempt. No, they're going to throw one pickoff attempt, and then they're probably going to save that second one for the actual moment that they think that they're going to get the dude leaning or trying to steal the base. So it's not always going to be every pitcher back-to-back pickoff attempts. All right, here comes your third attempt. Now we're definitely going to steal because you don't have a third attempt. I think pitchers will be smart about it and not waste their two pickoff attempts immediately. And I think this will be a little bit of a strategy, a little bit of a cat and mouse game between these um, base runners and the pitchers. Because if you're just going to have a pitcher, as soon as the, the at-bat starts with Corbin Carroll on first base, if the first thing you're going to do is a pickoff attempt and then throw a pitch and then another pickoff attempt, guess what? You're going to have Corbin Carroll's and the Jake McCarthy's of the world running all over you as an opposing team. So I'm very curious to see the cat-mouse game between base stealers and pitchers this upcoming season. 
And also the thing, all these rules kind of bleed into each other because the other thing that's kind of interesting is the pitch clock will be only 30 seconds long between each batter and 20 seconds between each pitch when runners are on and 15 seconds between each pitch with the bases empty. So if you have runners on, you now have 20 seconds to make your pitch. So that means less time to think. It's like, do I want to do this pickoff attempt immediately? Maybe pitchers forget that they already used two pickoff attempts and then accidentally throw that third just because they feel the pressure of the pitch clock. I love the pitch clock. So far in the minor leagues, I think it's taken like 25 minutes off minor league games. Like, look, I love Major League Baseball, but I also don't want to be at a stadium for six hours. Like, I know a lot of people would think that's sacrilegious. How can you do a baseball podcast? How can you say you love baseball, but you don't want to be at the stadium from sunrise to sunset? Listen, I also want to do other things in my day, especially if it's like a Saturday. I want to see a little afternoon baseball. I want to go there for the matinee, but I also don't want to be at the stadium until 1 a.m. So if I could get a nice condensed two and a half hour game, like NBA games this season have felt so tight and concise. I want that for my baseball games. I want to get all the action, all the fun, but I don't want to feel dragged out over six hours. So I love the idea of a pitch clock so far. I'm in on the bigger bases. I'm in on the pickoff attempts. I'm in on the pitch clock. And you best believe I'm in on this last rule too because the banning of the shift is what I've been asking for for so long. Big Poppy would have been like a career 400 hitter if the shift was banned from the beginning of his career. In baseball, it is a dying sport in terms of young viewership because young viewership, they turn on basketball, they turn on the NFL, and guess what they see? Offense, offense, offense. NBA teams are scoring more points than ever. Players are scoring more points than ever. NFL, you got guys like Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, just throwing it all over the yard. It's about spread, vertical, offense, whatever. And for baseball, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, let's just become home run, strikeout, or walk. Let's have dudes barely get on base. Let's have dudes barely hit for average. Let's just have dudes hit home runs or strike out. And now the game has become very monogamous. I don't like the way offense is heading in baseball. You have less stolen bases. Like we need to create more havoc in baseball. We need to create more chaos. That's why those other sports are fun because you have turnovers in football and basketball. You don't have turnovers in baseball. So I think you need to create the havoc on the bases. I think the pitch clock, I think the bigger bases, I think the lack of pickoff attempts. And I think the Banning of the shift will all be better for Major League Baseball. Be one big melting pot of just increased offense. I don't know how much increased offense, but I think the game should be more fun, more concise, with a little bit more action as well. I think we're in for a pretty fun Major League season. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Go catch up on any pods you might miss this past week. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast with host Lindsey Crosby because he's a walking baseball encyclopedia. He's going to talk to you about the stars of tomorrow. Catch his podcast wherever you listen to my podcast. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, doses.